Welcome to New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, where we envision to build a biblical community of loving believers, which have a personal relationship with God and each other, modeling the pattern of lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear and receive the Word of God from the man of God, Senior Pastor Rev. Nathaniel Wood. Listen, <clears throat> has anyone here in the sanctuary ever, ever been a victim of identity theft? All right. All right. Listen. Identity theft is a crime in which an imposter obtains key pieces of your personal information, such as social security or driver's license numbers, in order to try to impersonate you. The information can be used to obtain credit, merchandise, and services in the name of the victim or to provide the thief with false credentials. In addition to running up debt, an imposter might provide false identification to police creating a criminal record <laughs> or leaving outstanding arrest warrants for the person whose identity has been stolen. Identity theft has emerged as one of the dominant white-collar crime problems of the 21st century. Every three seconds, another identity is stolen. The Federal Trade Commission reports that identity theft is the second largest consumer complaint and one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Listen, in 2022, the FBI reported that identity theft affected 5,072,000 Americans. And guess what? This number does not even account for the number of cases that were not reported. Identity theft is categorized in two ways. True name identity theft and account takeover identity theft. True name identity theft means 
that the thief uses personal information to open new accounts. The thief might open a new credit card account, establish cellular phone service, or open a new checking account in order to obtain blank checks. Account takeover identity theft means that the imposter uses personal information to gain access to the person's existing accounts. Typically, the thief will change the mailing address on an account and run up a huge bill before the persons whose identity has been stolen realizes that there is a problem. Listen, most identity theft victims never know their identity has been stolen until they get phone calls and letters from collection agencies or they've been turned down for a loan or the IRS contacts them and tells them that they owe money. Identity theft can happen anywhere to anyone. You can be in a line at a store. You can be online at home. Or you might be having or buying your morning coffee and your identity can be stolen. And if your identity is stolen, you can spend hundreds of hours trying to clean up your credit and to struggle back to get your good name. And guess what? It's sad but true. If you're a victim of identity theft, creditors consider you guilty until you can prove your innocence. Am I right about it? Well, Though my subject for today is, are you guilty of Christian identity theft? And my sermonic opening focuses on the plight of identity theft. I would not be a good pastor if I would just begin talking about the sermon topic without sharing with you some quick and easy things that you and I can do to help protect ourselves from becoming a victim of identity theft. What, Pastor Wood, if my identity is stolen, what can I do? All right, thank you for asking. One, check your credit reports from all three credit bureaus. That is Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. 
How many of y'all check your credit reports? All right. Number two, opt out of unsolicited credit card offers. I don't know about you, but it seems like every week they're sending me a credit card and sending me an offer. Opt out of that. Another thing you can do is put fraud alerts on your credit report. So if someone steals your identity on your credit report, you will have the opportunity to catch them by having your fraud alert on the credit report. And the last thing you can do is buy a shredder and use it. Somebody say, buy a shredder and use it. Can I just talk like I'm doing today? Let me again quickly remind you of how identity theft is defined. Remember, it is a crime in which an imposter obtains key pieces of personal information in order to impersonate someone else. So, if we take the definition of identity theft and integrate it into our sermon topic for today, the sermon topic would expand and be this. Are you guilty of obtaining key pieces of personal information about Jesus in order to impersonate that you are one of his disciples. In other words, are you guilty of Christian identity theft? In other words, do you really know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? You see, my brothers and sisters, there is a difference between having first-hand knowledge and having second-hand knowledge. Let, let, let me try to explain this to what I mean. My wife will tell you, I love watching police and medical shows on television. I like watching the first 48. And he got the first 48 watches in here. I like watching forensic files. And listen, because I have watched these shows repeatedly, 
I have deacons developed a second-hand knowledge of the areas of forensic medicine and police investigation. I, I, I know second-hand knowledge about subdural hematomas. I, I know second-hand knowledge about defibrillators. From, from watching the first 48, when the dissect detectives show up on a crime scene, I know a little secondhand knowledge about blood spatter marks and blood <laughs> force trauma. But I know it from secondhand knowledge. Though I may watch it on the TV and know some of the terms and some of the procedures, it does not qualify me to call myself a forensic medical doctor or a police detective. First-hand knowledge and experience it is what it takes to produce the correct results. And guess what? If I became sick and had to go to the hospital, I would not want a doctor with secondhand knowledge working on me. Am I right about it? I want somebody who has first-hand knowledge of my condition. Now listen to me good. Having second-hand knowledge is helpful sometimes. But it is no substitute for first-hand knowledge and experience. Well, let us look at the events that lead up to our selected scriptural text. Here in the book of Acts, we discover that the good news of Jesus Christ is spreading like a wildfire. The whole world was beginning to hear about Jesus. The believers were going about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And God was manifesting his power in supernatural ways through his disciples, but especially the Apostle Paul. In verses 11 and 12 of chapter 19 of Acts, the scripture tells us, and God performed special miracles by the hands of Paul that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons 
and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Deacons, let me pause right here and say that I, your pastor, Nathaniel Jeffrey Wood, still believes that God is still using his servants to perform special supernatural miracles even today. I don't believe that the supernatural move of God was only active in the lives of God's servants of yesteryears. But I believe that the same miraculous power of God can be given to God's servants today. But, but let, me, let, let, let me make myself clear. I don't believe that God releases this supernatural empowerment upon men in order to obtain profits. In other words, if you have to give a certain amount of money in order to access the special blessing of God, you might be dealing with an imposter who has obtained information about Jesus but does not really know or represent him. I have been pastor here for 34 years. And I have a lot of friends and acquaintances who are in the ministry. But some of them jokers <laughs> are in it for the profit. I'm talking about P-R-O-F-I-T. And they want to come to New Providence because they say, man, if I go to New Providence, I can make me some money. Everybody is not welcomed to the pulpit of New Providence. I'll leave that right there. When we get to the verses of our selected text, the Bible says that there were certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, who took upon themselves to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Now we see from the outset that these guys were imposters who were trying to breach the supernatural power of God in order to gain access to the authority 
authority that is in the name of Jesus. Let's see where these imposters messed up. First of all, they wanted what Paul had without knowing what Paul had been through. <laughs> All these imposters saw were the external manifestations, the power, the prestige, and the money they could benefit from by using the name of Jesus. They didn't see Paul's surrendered life. They didn't see his faith in Christ. They didn't know about the sacrifices that Paul had to make in order for him to be endowed with the power that he had. What are you saying, Pastor Wood? This is simply what I'm saying. Don't be envious of others and what others have because you don't know what they went through, Lord have mercy, to get what they have. Secondly, let me tell you what, what, how these imposters messed up. First of all, they wanted what Paul had without knowing what Paul had been through. And secondly, they did not respect the name. Ah. Many people who know about Jesus will never move to the point of personally knowing Jesus because they do not hold the name of Jesus in high honor. Mm, mm, mm. Let, me, let, let me unstick my paper here. My brothers and sisters, for too many people, the name of Jesus is an empty phrase or empty words to them. Too often the name of Jesus is spoken and used as a curse or as a word of explanation. In our text, the name of Jesus was being used only to accomplish a certain task. These guys did not want to get to know intimately the person behind the name. But all they wanted to do was reap the benefits that were connected to the name. 
What are you saying, Pastor? Okay, let me just put it out there. Why do you come to church? Do you come simply to try to get the benefits that come with using the name of Jesus? Think about it. Do you come to church to really get to know Jesus in a more intimate way? Or are you guilty of disrespecting the name of Jesus? Somebody say, my Lord. I want to know, do you only use his name when you want to get out of trouble? Do you only use his name when you want something from him? Do you use his name in a derogatory way when you get angry? Do you try to use his name to throw others off about an ungodly lifestyle you were living? Do you use his name in order to gain power or prestige in his church? If you do, you are guilty of Christian identity theft. And if you don't stop, you will soon get busted. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm almost through. The Bible identifies the imposters. Verse 14 says, And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief priest, chief of the priests, which did so. Check out New Providence and friends who the imposters were. The imposters were folk who were familiar with the things of God. In other words, they were church folk. And if we be actual about who these seven boys were, if their daddy was the chief priest, then because their daddy was the chief priest, they would have been priests also. Okay, okay. Remember, priesthood was based on family heritage. So these are church folk 
And the lesson is this. Just because a person is in the church and maybe a leader does not mean that they are real. And they might be imposters. Mm. Tell your neighbor and say, are you an imposter? The Bible says that after these seven spiritual imposters approached the man with the evil spirit and dropped the name of Jesus and Paul on the man, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about. But who are you? <laughs> and the Bible says, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. As I close, I just want to say, if you are guilty of Christian identity theft, let me let you know something that the enemy knows that you are a fraud. <laughs> Somebody say, the enemy knows who are Christian frauds. You know, it's not the loudest person that's always so holy. It's not the folk who shout all the time that you can make the assumption that they're holy. They may be a fraud. Come on, somebody. So the enemy knows if you're real or not. But guess what? Guess who else knows? Who you really, really are. God. Somebody say God. God knows whether you are real or false. The evil spirit knew who Paul was. And the evil spirit knew who Jesus was. So a person cannot commit Christian identity theft and think that they will get away with it. Because God knows who you are.
Come on, stand on your feet. That's it. That's it. Mm. I don't know about you, but I pray to God. I said, God, I want to be real. Somebody say it with me. I want to be real. I don't want a form of godliness. Because with a form of godliness, there is no power behind it. I want to be real. I want to be sincere in my walk with God. I just don't want to come up here and front. Y'all know what front mean? Mm -hmm. Try to act like I'm something that I know I'm not. That's why New Providence, I believe in being open. Don't you ever put me up on a pedestal because I'll come down myself. Me too. Because I want you to know, even when it comes to the struggles of life, that I have struggles just like you. And I need the Lord's help and his power just as much as you do. <laughs> so, I thank God. I thank God for knowing for myself that I am trying my best to live a holy life, a righteous life, and for God to be pleased with me so he can genuinely say about me, oh, that Nathaniel Wood, he's my child, he's my child, he's my son. Ain't no problem with his identity. <laughs> Amen. We know that you have been blessed through the hearing of God's word on this day. We invite you to join us at New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, located at 4813 Hilltop Needmore Road, Fuquay, Arena, North Carolina. For more information, you can contact our ministry at 919-552-3531 or visit our website at www.newprovidencebaptist.com. Thank you for joining us and be blessed.